0: Revelation chapter 7 After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea, Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed, from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Asher, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Naphtali, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Manasseh, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Simeon, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Levi, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Issachar, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Zebulun, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Joseph, twelve thousand. From the tribe of Benjamin, twelve thousand. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen! Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. You're listening to Drilling Down, a podcast dedicated to finding the truth in every topic we explore. Be a part of the show. Follow this podcast on Facebook at Drilling Down Radio, where you'll find surveys, upcoming show announcements, and a place for you to weigh in on our discussions. Thank you for making this podcast
1: part of your day.
0: Now, let's get drilling.
1: Revelation chapter 7 is going to start talking about something you've probably heard before. The number is 144,000. The actual title of this part of Scripture is the 144,000 Sealed. So there is a little bit of mystery surrounding this, and it got convoluted by, uh, by a few other uh, world religions. So, chapter 7. You've just heard the audio on it. And there were a lot of numbers there. But I'm guessing you caught that they were the tribes of Israel. So there's there's a theme anytime, anytime uh in Revelation, i I think I've told you guys this, that you see a series of seven, anything, whether it's uh, you know. Uh, seven scrolls, seven trumpets, seven bowls. You'll see. You'll see this. A group of seven. Anytime there is a group of seven, there's always a pause between the sixth and the seventh. Kind of, kind of cool. What's even more fascinating about God's word is that these pauses, they almost always shed light on the current situation of God's people. Like, like a little bit of pause. Okay, here's what's happening with God's people. And they offer insight into the present responsibilities and, quite frankly, the future hope. Because that's what Revelation is about. It's about the future hope. There's a lot of arguing amongst Christian scholars and theologians in regard to this particular chapter. Kyle, you say that a lot. I know. I know, sadly. Remember back in chapter 6, the whole point was, Who can stand before the wrath of God and survive? And the answer is, no one. I had somebody Facebook me about that podcast, by the way, real quick here, and they just they don't like the whole wrath of God thing. And I said, "Look, this is I'm sorry, but this is part of God's nature. I mean, God's wrath comes upon His own children. You know, if you study the Old Testament, you will see Israel gets God's wrath. The Judah gets God's wrath. I mean, this is you know, and then he has he has uh, their enemies come and be able to invade them and take them off into exile. And God uses uh, these. Uh, Surrounding like the Babylonians for a purpose. The Syrians, they they get to invade a little bit, uh, but then God turns his wrath on those people and brings his children back to him. So this is something God does with his own children. He's not shying away from that wrath. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but that did come up uh, out of that one. So who can stand in God's presence? No one can. Remember the distinction between earth dwellers and God's children, right? Now that when you see that in Revelation, you'll know. What that's talking about, as we discussed in the last podcast. And I think chapter seven is beautiful because we see this, oh, this glowing ray of light that shows that God's servants, you know, Christians during the end times, are going to be able to stand because God will supernaturally protect them. Now, it doesn't mean they're protected from being persecuted here on earth. Oh, <laughs> they're protected from God's wrath that is about to be poured out. And that's why I believe in a little thing called the rapture, because I do believe that we are uh, protected from God's wrath. No matter where you choose to insert that rapture, I believe he protects his children, not from persecution on the earth, but from his wrath. And so we see in an apocalyptic uh, literature that angels are sometimes put in charge of nature. And here we start this uh, chapter off with four angels who are standing at the four corners of the earth. This is not a flat earth theory. <laughs> They're holding back uh, destructive forces until the servants of God can be sealed and protected. So this idea of four corners of the earth is from the New Testament, Jeremiah, Zechariah, It's always goes in conjunction with uh, an indigenous people getting kicked out of their homeland. <laughs> so the, isn't that kind of cool? You'll always see that. It, it almost always uh, was a forewarning that something big on an international scale ordained by God was about to happen. And in a future, quite possibly nuclear uh, meltdown involving Iran, which is Elam in the book of Jeremiah, and a future war for Israel, from Zechariah, uh, from Ezekiel thirty-eight, from Psalm eighty-three. We're gonna—I'll do a separate podcast on the uh, future wars that I believe the gag, <laughs> gag, mag, gag, dee, gog, mag, gog, uh wars—and kind of unravel some of that. So I know that will be—it'll be a good reprieve from this revelation. You know, like Ooh, let's talk about okay, how does it play out into current events? We're getting there, but the, but I. Any any teacher of eschatology that throws the local news uh, and the present current situation in the Middle East before the jump into the Bible, uh, run. That's why we're doing this, painstakingly so. Thank you for doing this with me. The Bible continuously marries the Old Testament with the New Testament. I I hope that uh, that I've been able to uh, shed some light on that uh, through this whole deal. We see way back in Ezekiel, Chapter nine: That God commands an angel to mark all true believers to protect them uh, for His coming wrath. That's going to be aimed at the Babylonians in that time. In that instance, the uh, the unfaithful Israelites who have not been marked suffer divine judgment, and we see that paralleled here in the Book of Revelation. We get we get to a somewhere uh, somewhat controversial part in chapter seven. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. John says, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. So we gotta, we have to camp out here for a second because it's pretty important. There are some really special people in the last days that are supernaturally, we see here, sealed by God. And this number of this 144,000 has been uh, a series of controversy for thousands of years. So, It would take too long to get all the different viewpoints on who the 144,000 are, but to be fair, I should probably cover a few of them. Now, if you've ever talked to a Jehovah's Witness who has come to your door, they are trained to uh, tell you that the 144,000, they believe, are the number of Jehovah's Witnesses over the course of human history that are allowed into heaven. Or, you know, they have variations of that. But to that effect, they believe that everyone else will reside in paradise here on earth. So, I mean, quite simply, I've done this at my door. Just ask them which tribe of Israel they are from. Since the Bible says the 144,000 are from the tribes of Israel, that's just the end of story. Unless you have something different in your Bible. And if your your, uh, church has something different in their Bible, uh, run some Christians believe that, the, uh, that these are church members, and other Christians say that they are people back in the Roman times. So uh, we don't even have to worry about this now. Well, I don't believe that. I believe the 144,000, Scripture is pretty clear. They are, they're sealed, and they are Jews who have found salvation during the Tribulation. They represent, we see here, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. I mean, it's funny, when, when the Bible makes just a really easy, clear, mathematical statement that it's just, it just kind of lays it out there, and it, it, you know, one plus one absolutely equals two, then I don't know why we have to go much uh, beyond that, unless we just are in love with speculating. Uh, now, if you look at those 12 tribes there, there are, technically there are more than 12 tribes of Israel, it's like that. It's like the Big Ten. There's a few more teams in the Big Ten than uh, ten. There's there's more than twelve tribes technically, uh, but we see different times in Scripture where there's a different set of twelve tribes that is named and that is is used. And sometimes a tribe is left out of a list completely. So, you know, without rabbit trailing uh, too much here, what's the deal with this? Uh, sometimes the Levites are left out if they're if the if it's a military count, because the Levites were a line of priests, uh, the Levites gets left out sometimes when it comes to what territory they're going to get, because they, they inherited the presence of the Lord. Uh, so they're left out. Sometimes we can't, sometimes Dan and, and Ephraim are left out. Like in this actual situation, in revelation, I don't think we can get too bent out of shape about it, nor should we not explain because the tribe of Dan is a troubled tribe. <laughs> they, um, they get actually slighted by the Holy Spirit every once in a while. And, hey, yeah, the tribe of Dan. We don't we don't know why exactly, but it's you know you can you can study Scripture a little bit and understand that the tribe of Dan uh, they introduced idolatry into the land. They weren't uh, they they had a little covert uh, mission where they uh, came upon a Levite priest and stole him away, <laughs> and. Uh, raided and killed everyone in an unsuspecting village. I mean, the tribe of Dan were, they were rough, man. And so they introduced uh, idolatry in the land. We see uh, the tribe of Joseph is put in here. Kyle, I thought, I didn't know there was a tribe of, well, it's inserted here. The house of Joseph, you'll hear throughout the Old Testament, was he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and those were two half tribes. So together, Ephraim and Manasseh make up one tribe. But in this particular instance in Revelation, their dad, the house of Joseph, that is uh, placed for these guys. So long story short, uh, they're not sealed in Revelation. The tribe of Dan isn't, isn't sealed. They, they have to survive on their own. And God doesn't abandon them completely because then we go back to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel tells us that during the thousand-year millennial reign that we will have a podcast on, Dan gets to inherit it first. So they they aren't given up on by God, but they, they don't get the supernatural protection during the tribulation. And I just think that's so fascinating. It just goes to show that God means what he says. When it comes to obeying him, he means what it says when he says, don't, I don't want you chasing after other gods. I don't want you bringing other gods into our relationship. I mean, he really, like, he's really taken it to the 10th degree with the tribe of Dan here. There may not be eternal consequences for all of your sins. But I believe you'll have more suffering to encounter here on earth because of them better to fall on our knees every single day before the Lord and say, God, I know I'm going to sin today, but please, please, please help me to be aware of it and turn from it whenever I can. Back to the 144,000, some scholars believe that it's simply symbolic. It's not a literal number. So you'll hear that depending, like if you just Google it, then you're going to see a bunch of, yo, what do I believe here? So um, they'll say it re- it refers to an entire generation of faithful Christians that are about to enter the final you know, tribulation, that, that it will mark the end of human history. They think it's just a symbolic way of stressing that the church is the eschatological people of God who have taken up Israel's inheritance. I do not believe that. More on that in a little bit. Some other Christians try to see the 144,000 as a select group of people that were martyred. But this this just doesn't—that that martyrdom, 144,000, doesn't hold any weight scripturally, so I can't really go there. Uh, here's another little little tidbit I'll show you, that God's in control of all things. When we read the list of tribes of Israel here in verses 5 through 8 that you heard read and probably you know almost fell asleep at at that point, we see oddly— That uh, If you study the Old Testament, you'll see the tribe of Judah is listed first here. And Reuben is usually the one listed first because he was the oldest. But it's changed in Revelation. This is really neat. It's changed. Judah is now listed first because that's the tribe of which Jesus Christ came from, right? The lion of the tribe of Judah. See, Jesus Christ had to come from one of the 12 tribes. And it was ordained that he came from the tribe of Judah. God puts all things in perfect order. S- some, the tribe of Dan being omitted, some uh, scholars think that it's because this is the line that the Antichrist comes from. Uh, there's no biblical support for that, but, you know, it's, we'll talk about that in our podcast on the Antichrist. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't put that past the tribe of Dan. The Antichrist uh, is not, just for a second, he, I believe he's not Jewish and I don't believe that he's Middle Eastern. Now, some great scholars that I read there uh, in Times books do absolutely believe that he is Muslim. Um, I, I believe that the Antichrist is going to come from Europe and I will, uh, I will do, do more of that in the uh, podcast on the Antichrist. Kyle, could you be wrong? No. No, I'm totally kidding. I could absolutely be wrong. So could everyone else, but I'll give it my best shot. And I don't stand alone in that. Boy, I am everywhere here. As we just read after John sees the 144,000. Stick to it, Kyle. Uh, He sees a great multitude and they're said to have come out of the great tribulation. They are not on earth and they're Crowned in the throne room of heaven, and they're wearing white robes. So this one's a little easier to uh, decode. I believe this vision uh, anticipates a glorious day in the future when those who are passing through the final persecution are going to enter the blessedness of the eternal state because they did not take the mark of the beast. Uh, they cry out declaring that it's God. It's the Lamb of Jesus Christ that they owe their salvation to. We see heavenly angels and elders and living creatures falling be thrown before the throne, worshiping God here. And one of these, it's funny, one of these elders who resides in heaven turns to John. So John's watching all this, all these 144,000 in white robes, just crying out to God, thank you for saving us. And, and this, one of the heavenly uh, beings, it's a pretty big deal, is standing next to John and this heavenly being turns to John and says, Hey man, who are these people in white robes? And it's just a great little it's just a great little part. John naturally thinks the same thing we did, like uh I have no idea you live here. <laughs> and he goes on and the guy you know, it's almost like the uh angelic beings like, ah, no, totally can." Uh he goes on to tell John that they are the listen, innumerable multitude of people who will come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And this is one of the best examples of worship, adoration before an almighty God in all the Bible. These people have been through so much. I told you, God never promises to save us from our uh, earthly problems and persecution. It's an eternal thing. And it's a party when we get to heaven. I love that about some loved ones in my life that have just have suffered a lot, whether it's cancer, um, whether it's bad hearts, whether it's uh, just a rough life. And knowing when they die, it's it's rejoicing to the paraplegic, to the the child of God with Down syndrome and autism. It's just such a beautiful picture of perfection and adoration for the Lord when they get there. Hymns are being sung, and we see this in Revelation. There's so much worshiping going on. All, all kinds of people are sitting there. John, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, I'm looking here, angels, people of God, heavenly voices, all created beings. That's pretty encompassing. <laughs> I love it because the Christians who are alive and who suffer in the last days don't hunger or thirst. The protection from Jesus comes from his throne, from his unity with his father. And we're told that all of their tears will be wiped away. The seventh seal is about to be poured out, but it's going to set the stage for the seven trumpet judgments. that hasn't even gotten ugly yet. On the timeline, we're not even halfway to the point where the Antichrist is revealed and Boy, desecrates the temple in Jerusalem as the Lord warns the Israelites to run for your lives. Run for your lives! Run through the hills! Ah. Uh, if you wonder where Iron Maiden got those lyrics. Did I just bust out Iron Maiden in a Revelation podcast? What's wrong with me? So, he... <laughs> Speaking of Satan, uh, we're on Satan, is about to get booted from heaven in a war. He's up there, as you heard, trying to accuse us of our sins. There are some scholars that believe Satan is being kind of kept occupied in heaven. But after this war, when he hits the earth, when he enters the Antichrist, didn't he do that with Judas? Yeah, this is different, though. All hell breaks loose. That hasn't even happened yet. And our study's already looking horrific. Satan's about to get loosed. I hope you see the cosmic chess match that I'm trying to portray. It goes all throughout the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, ramping up, speeding up along the way, culminating in this book of Revelation, the back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Man. I've had this question asked. Okay, Kyle. Satan was defeated at the cross, technically at the resurrection. So, what's his endgame? Why is he even doing this now? Why, is, why was he even... What does he care? He lost. Great question. Why would he keep on? I believe the answer to that question lies in the 144,000, and I think it's that simple. Satan was told... Again, as we go back to what happened in the book of Genesis and the fall of man, we see Satan understood a human Messiah is going to come. It's my seed versus your seed. And I believe, as I've said at nauseam before, Uh, I believe that everything that happened before the flood was Satan desperately trying to corrupt all flesh so that there couldn't be that Messiah. So God floods the earth and provides just a few, just a handful of Noah and his family to get out of there and restarts everything, restarts everything and gives a nation. And Satan constantly tries to destroy that nation. We see it many times. Um, Satan is still trying to destroy the Jews, He did it through Hitler. I believe when it comes to an antichrist, there's always an antichrist in a generation that Satan has ready, waiting, because Satan doesn't know when it's going to happen. He doesn't know when Christ is going to come back and when he's going to have to use. I think there's a lot of things going on with Iran and Turkey right now. Um, Some of these countries have said it's their mission to destroy Israel. And if they're successful using one of these leaders, there can be no physical 144,000 and the prophecy is untrue therefore Satan will defeat God's plan you see I believe there's a coming war from the prophecy in Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38 where Israel and I'm going to have a podcast on the wars uh, to come but where they're victorious against the bordering Muslim Muslim nations that attack them. Israel wins big. It's huge for them. But then Russia, I believe, is going to team up with the uh, border of an outer ring of Islamic nations surrounding Israel. And they will destroy Israel, but God supernaturally intercedes to save them. Woo! More on that in that podcast. How fascinating is this? I'm sorry I went off on that. I can't guarantee you that I'm going to stay on par all the time, but... Uh, man, it's just all this has been sitting in your Bible right in front of you. I hope that you're loving this. We haven't even scratched the surface, and the great news about this Revelation podcast series is that when it's over, we're never going to run out. It's never going to be done. The podcast won't stop. We got some work to do in Daniel. We got some work to do in the Old Testament. We got some. We got some work to do in the Olivet Discourse, and we got some work to do from the writings of Paul. We got some work to do. I'm so excited. Kyle, are you saying that these podcasts are never going to end as long as I live? Well, I can always keep going. And the Bible says we can we can never stop if we don't want to. We can never get thirsty. We can drink the water from Scripture for all eternity. It never gets old. It never gets out of date. And it always seems just as exciting as the day you dive into it. That's why we're digging down. That's why we're diving into it. Things haven't gotten ugly yet in this study, my friends. So you know what I I think it's time for? I, uh, I think it's time for the big bad and the ugly. Hold
0: on.